everyone. Welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Megan Jepson. And I'm Janae Austin. This week on the podcast, we had Amanda Harness on to talk about fears, systems, processes, and how to not go crazy running your business. Systematize your life and your business. Thank you, Amanda. Stay tuned and listen up on the Level Up Podcast. Uh, today? Yes, Megan? Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm inviting another person into the room today. Thanks so much for asking me first. <laughs> now, it's what you do in a partnership is you seek approval before you just make decisions, which I did this two months ago, so I'm glad Amanda's here finally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also glad Amanda's here, and I did in fact know that she was coming today. Surprise! So. Surprise! <laughs> I do enjoy surprises, though, so anytime there's a surprise guest, I'm actually down with that as well. The only thing is that Amanda won't want it to be a surprise, so we right, 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 right. have to surprise her a few weeks in advance. Hey, by the way, you're just coming on and talking about stuff. <laughs> I I would like watch the meltdown happen. And I was like, I just need you to sub in today, and you'd be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but do you have a twenty page outline? <laughs> Bullet points. That's why I think if maybe the surprise could come for you just like a couple weeks earlier, then that would probably be. Well, you know, and actually what I really like now, I know we're not talking about surprises today. We're actually going to talk about fear today. But uh, I like surprises, but I like to know a surprise is coming. Mm, like, hey, you're going to be surprised, yes. but you don't know what the surprise is. Right. Like Taylor's, I like that Taylor says to me, I've planned something for da 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 I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't like the spring it on you type of thing. I let, I have to be able to prepare my anxiety brain for what may or may not occur. So I love a surprise, but I have to be told there's a surprise. Gotcha. I don't, I, I guess I like surprises, but I'm not, there have been times in my life where I've certainly been more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Now is not one of those <laughs> times. Now if somebody, especially because like my natural mode right now, I haven't, besides the wedding we went to, I haven't worn makeup for like a month. Like, I'm, I'm not in a place where I'm just, like, waking up and being, like, fully, like, prepared for whatever life throws my way. Right now, I'm prepared to just, like, sit down and just, like, conduct appointments. Like, that's that's what I'm prepared for. Anything beyond that, I need at least a couple of days to, like, mentally prepare myself for that. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever had a time in your life where people would be like, hey, we're going out. And then it would be like 10 o'clock at night and people were getting ready to go out. Oh, yeah. Like. When I was 22, maybe. Yeah. yeah. 18, 19, 20. Yeah, I was going to say that was a while ago mm-hmm. for me, to be clear. But it is insane that that was ever, yeah. <laughs> ever a thing. Because uh, now just the idea of mentally preparing myself, not even physically, not even like actually finding outfits for things or like, you know, that just... My brain is just twitching right now thinking about it. So anyway. Yeah. I don't love it. Me neither. But that's that's one of the cool things about adulthood is that a lot of people feel the same way and you tend to gravitate towards those mm-hmm. people. So now you have friends who are just total planners like Amanda and give everybody a full agenda weeks in advance and tell everybody, hey, yeah. here are the kind of things you need to be wearing. Mm-hmm. Here's what the food situation is going to be like. Plan accordingly. I love adult friends I really I seriously do I mean I mean that right it's a weird transition but like I don't know it used to be like we would like pride ourselves and just being like fun and spontaneous and like up for anything and like wild and crazy and like now like mm, I I like spontaneity but it's got to start by 7 p.m. <laughs> because get ready at 10 to go out is get no. ready to head home. 10 p.m. By 10 p.m. I haven't worn a bra for at least three hours. Right. Like, that's just not happening. I've also eaten dinner and sat and, you know, relaxed for a bit. So everything's been turned off. I'm not ready oh, yeah. to. Like, but if I start early enough, I can keep going. Hmm. Just start. I feel like the pandemic has only exacerbated this for me oh yeah because now the norm is just like staying in and not doing stuff so now I feel like it takes even more mental preparation for agreed that to be the case I also think in the last year we've had a year of surprise like (laughs) here's the new thing like right not fun surprises right not fun surprises and a ton of like being (laughs) unsure and no certainty and Mm -hmm. so I think we're all exhausted and just <laughs> that is a perfect segue into our actual topic today oh, yes. uh 
we want to talk about the fear of the unknown. And this came up because, well, to give the listener kind of an introduction, Amanda is a level upper. She's a business strategist and consultant, primarily in operations of service-based businesses. Did I say that right? You did. Uh, she's fucking brilliant, and she has an amazing dress on today that I say is like a really stylish version of Wilma Flintstone. Okay. Yes. Okay. I would agree with that. I was initially getting a Daphne from Scooby-Doo vibe, but they're not that different. No. If Wilma Flintstone was like running an agency in New York, this is what she would wear. Mm. I need to put my hair up in a bun then. Okay. Maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about, uh, I was talking with Amanda, her and I share the same office space, so we actually talk all the time. And uh, fear was a conversation that we had coming up about uh, not only our clients, but just like in general, fear of the unknown is like this massive thing that she is addressing for her clients all the time. And I was like, that is a perfect level up topic because I feel like we talk about that just in life in general. Like how do you manage the fear of the unknown? And I think COVID brought a lot of that up in this last year of saying, okay, how am I going to deal with shit I don't even know is going to happen? And you and I didn't also had this conversation around your clients with finance. Like, how do I prepare my life and my future for events that I I can't even predict? I don't even know what's going to happen. And so that is literally all the preparation that I did for this conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're talking about it. And um, I've had a lot of conversations with Cameron lately about um, just, just constant reminders that most people make decisions in their lives based on fear. Mm. Seriously. Fear that whatever investment they choose isn't going to be the exact right one. Fear that starting a business is going to put them in a a bad situation. Fear that what if they fail? What if they experience rejection? Rejection is one of the the big ones, I would say, is for sure. Especially, and and we're all kind of in the same realm, but specifically for women in business and sales, Mm -hmm. it is, in in my opinion, one of the biggest roadblocks to women as a whole being fully successful as they can be in the any sort of a sales or entrepreneurship space. Right. That's a personal opinion, but I'm also right. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think people have different different levels of how much uncertainty or you know, if we're just gonna call it fear that they can handle. Like everyone has a different level of risk they're willing to take. Yeah. And I think that the level of risk you're willing to take directly correlates to how much of that uncertainty and fear you can manage mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this, the last year, sort of, you know, you were talking about has made some changes in people suddenly wanting to get a lot more certainty. But I think it's yeah. because we had so much uncertainty that we've all collectively hit the tipping point. Yeah. We've all gotten to our peak. What you know, everyone's peak is different, but we've all gotten there <laughs> because right. we had so much uncertainty, certainty in general in our daily lives that now it's we're wanting to focus on okay but what can I have an influence on and reel that in a little bit and understand what risks I'm taking a little bit better and create a little bit more of a foundation where we don't have quite so many questions just up in the air all the time yeah and I think for business owners it's one of the things I was actually just writing a, a blog on things you have to get real about when you start a business and one of them is risk like you have to just get real that there's a just an innate amount of risk when it comes to starting and running your own business and being the, especially a solopreneur in your business, there's, you can't avoid risk. Yeah. And you get to choose whether or not that risk comes with fear. Mm -hmm. But that connection is hard for people to make to say, I get to choose my reaction to this risk. And I think that's one of the things you do so well, Amanda, and why you're an important part of this conversation is, um, what are the tools we use to help ourselves with the fear of the unknown? Well, I think, to your point, um, that there is just inherent risk. I think that's good to recognize. Like, that's sort of step one. Because it allows us to kind of remain agile and a little bit flexible, just because if we know it's just there and it exists, then it helps us to learn and grow. Uh, But then you can also create a little bit more stability behind everything um, so that you're maybe more prepared when things come up. You can be proactive instead of reactive. Um, And so creating, rather than just trying to 
put it a bunch of things in place where you create certainty that kind of makes you less agile, less flexible, mm-hmm. just create more stability so that you can react appropriately. Because that, that fear that we have really kind of makes us do strange things, right? To your point, Danae, when you are working off of fear, you're sort of, you're being reactionary and you kind of, you make your decisions based on uh, things that are not true or misguided or just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so you don't make good decisions. So if you can create a little bit more of of knowing, you know, less fear of the unknown, you know more, um, then you can be, you can watch for trends, make predictions and sort of think ahead of time. So you've pre-made your decisions based on what could happen. What could happen is scary, but you're, you're setting yourself up to react more appropriately and make better decisions. Do you remember when we did, excuse me, do you remember when we did that fear setting exercise? Yep. A long time ago. That is exactly what you're talking about. I don't think you were a part of Level Up Mm-mm. at that point. And I think we had a podcast about it. But fear setting is basically the idea that, like, you ask yourself, instead of goal setting, you literally think to yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. And then you actually think about every single one of those scenarios and yeah. say, okay, first off, if that happens, like, what actually happens? Right. Because a lot of us feel like, you know, the worst thing that could happen is, let's say you lose your job, right? You're down and out and then you get into all sorts of debt and your life is ruined, okay? The reality is that if you lost your job for most people, that isn't actually what would happen. Most of the time you would just get another job or you would find another way to make income or, you know, you most people bounce back into almost the exact same scenario that they were in before yeah. if something bad happens. But being able to look at that situation and say, um... You know, talking about risk tolerance, I, I say the words risk mitigation more as an adult than like I ever anticipated <laughs> I would. But seriously, like what I mean by risk mitigation is actually looking at what could potentially happen and then right. planning in advance so that those scenarios either aren't as bad when they happen, you have a plan if they do happen, or you plan in advance to ensure that that doesn't happen in the first place. Right. And it makes a big difference. And to your point, what you were just saying is that, you know, over the last year, I think what a lot of people have recognized is, first of all, they're okay with being more uncomfortable than they originally anticipated. And most of us had to go out of our comfort zone in some sort of major way in this last year. And also, I think a lot of people who thought that they were maintaining full control of their lives realized that they actually weren't. Because think about in March last year, how many people were in a stable, employed position and then by the end of March, we're no longer in that stable employee yeah. position. Yeah. And a lot of times, it didn't have a lot of immediate options to find another position mm-hmm. or stabilize themselves in the way they normally would have. And what I've seen over the last year, and I don't know if you guys have seen the exact same thing. I'm, I may be a little bit more in this spot than you guys are, but I've seen a flood of people wanting to become business owners and get into entrepreneurship yeah. because... I think a lot of people are recognizing that there are actually way more elements of this than you can control than if you are putting the onus on somebody else or another company that you work for. For sure. Right? It it actually ends up being a major transition. So a lot of people right now are jumping into their fears and getting used to being uncomfortable in a way they weren't before, but are starting to see stability in a way that they also hadn't before. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I I have totally seen that trend. What I think the uh, hole in thinking I see often is uh, the certainty of now that I'm in control of everything, I will like be successful without anything else because I'm making the decisions Mm -hmm. and um, I fucking love that swagger like I want everybody to to walk into owning a business with that swagger and I actually like look at look for that in my clients mm-hmm. when I'm uh in the discovery process with them do you have that swagger of yeah I am now I am the master of my own ship and I will figure this out that I want that um because I that just gives you so much more to build off of when you're like when you believe you can do it um but there's a lot of things you can do inside your business that actually and your life, for that matter, mm-hmm. your home life or whatever it is, to create more, I guess systems is the best word, since Amanda's here, mm-hmm. uh, to understand how to handle those scenarios that come at you, those unknown scenarios that can come at you. And so 
what are the systems that you guys put into your life to help? Because I think we're all three of us are very different. Like I know you both really close. I am probably the absolute most risk adverse in this room. I have a whole lot of trauma response to like things that I don't know are happening and I get really worried. My partner on the other hand, Taylor has like no fear of anything ever. Like it's like, well, it's going to be fine. And he's just so like, laid back about everything so thank god for him on that amanda you're pretty close to me like wanting to understand what's happening and really wanting that uh organized in your head and then danae i would say that you're by far the most laid back but you're not laid back taylor level like you want to understand everything yeah, and I don't I, I don't think of myself as laid back in any sense of the word. And I think one of the big differences is that, you know, I don't think that I started my business with any sort of, like, real confidence or swagger. To be 100% clear, I was, like, scared out of my mind, and I just, like, did it anyway. And I think that that ends up being one of the characteristics of people who end up sticking with something like this because... A lot of times what happens is that people go into business ownership or anything new incredibly confident because they don't have a lot of context as to what could go wrong, how much effort it takes, like what actually needs to happen within a business for it to be successful. And then as soon as they find something that contradicts their idea of what they thought something was going to be, then they're up. Because all of a sudden now they have these new fears and insecurities that they maybe didn't before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, for those of us who just go into everything with fear and insecurity because of, you know, anxiety and depression and life and all of these things, it's, it's a different process because you have to dig yourself out of assuming everything is always going to be bad. But I think through that process, a lot of times you build a kind of different earned confidence than you maybe would have otherwise. So that was a total tangent, but uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty process-oriented as a person as well. Um, yeah, you definitely are. And as far as like systems in my life and in my business that I have in place to maintain, not necessarily control, but at least some organization to the chaos. Because the, the reality is that a lot of times business is messy, especially mm -hmm. when you're starting out because you don't necessarily know what systems you need all the time. And that's, again, part of where Amanda comes in to help you identify those things. But all of those things have happened in my business because I've messed things up. That's why right. I was like, hey, there's a place where I'm really fucking up here. Like, I got to do something <laughs> or I'm not going to make any money. And one of the differences between my business and a lot of other people's is that I could do all of the work. I could literally dozens of hours of work for a client and still not get paid. It happens all the time, just by the nature of my business. I don't get upfront payment for almost anything that I do. Kind of like real estate agents, right? Mm -hmm. You could do all of the work of getting somebody to close and then it could not close and you could not get paid for all the work that you've done. Mm -hmm. right. So most of the processes in my business are to ensure that I actually get paid for the work that I do, right? right? right, right. Um, in my personal life, I would say one of the big ones in my clients as well is budgeting. That's actually a process that a lot of people need to go through, not to um, restrict themselves, but to ensure that what they're doing is actually in line with what they want and to kind of mitigate those fears mm -hmm. too of saying, well, I'm not going to have enough money for the things that I need or the things that I want. Instead, ensuring that every step of the way you're working to make sure that those things actually do happen. Right. You do have the money you need. Um, in my business, a lot of the time is one of the things that we've instituted over the last couple of months here, really a couple of weeks, it's, it's actually fairly new, is that we've instituted time blocks to go through client research as a team to make sure that things actually get done when we need it to, and also client follow-up as a Very team. Very excited to hear this. Time blocks. Yeah, time, I'm, I'm, I am doing time blocks. But what's funny is that one of the systems that goes into place to make sure those time blocks happen is that I can't rely on my own willpower to get things done. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest breakthroughs I've seen in my personal business is that Anybody who's a business owner, just a heads up, if you are relying on your willpower for everything in your business to get done, that is a very slippery slope. Yeah, very it slippery. leads right to burnout. It, it really does. And I can tell you I'm a little burnt out at the moment because we're yeah. we have a lot of activity going on right now. But if I set a time block and I'm accountable to other people within my organization, then I'll show up. And I'll do it because they're counting on me. If I'm doing client follow-up with the team, I will show up and I'll do it because they're counting on me. And so that's one of the systems I put in place is 
hey, if somebody else is relying on me, I'll do it. If I'm relying on my own willpower to get things done, I know it's not usually going to happen. Sometimes. Sometimes it does. But anyway, that was a, a long explanation. No, that's really like, interesting the way you think about it. Yeah. That's one of my systems anyway. Amanda, how do you define a system? Well, I I mean, so the way I kind of typically look at it is there's, we've talked mostly about some of those long-term risk factors and fears that we try to mitigate and setting up for those. But there's also so much on the day-to-day that we can do, which is where you were starting to head, Danae, was that um, it, there's so much you can do from a know what you're doing every day and do it intentionally that gets you to that long term you're looking for. So one of the systems that I try to I try to walk the talk. So if I talk about how I set myself up or my clients, it's really kind of how both work, how I recommend people do it and how I try to do it myself is um, I try to be intentional on the day to day. So I because I'm a planner, I like to know who is doing what, when it's happening. Um, If there's more than one person helping me do it, it's the accountability factor that you're talking about. So working as a team is huge. Uh, But I think that it's so important to just set up different processes in your business and having a structure of who's responsible for what, trying not to have too many gray areas. You don't want to silo anything, but if you can try to make things Black and white in the sense that there's clean communication, there's no gaps anywhere, handoffs work really well, but it's not confusing who is accountable for what. Then you can understand day to day, whether you're a solopreneur or if you have a team, um, who is responsible for what and when. And I think as people who own their own business and are solo, um, one thing you were kind of saying, Danae, is the we're being so focused on your own willpower. Well, I think that comes into wearing a lot of hats, right? When you don't have people helping you with anything. And we hear a lot of people say that I'm wearing too many hats. I wear so many hats. And then when I go to a client and they, you know, start to be really candid about how they almost feel like they're failing as a business owner because they're asking for help from people. And I try to be really clear that there, if you look at any larger company, they have a C-suite. They have a CEO and a COO and a CMO and a CRO, right? CFO. Because the CFO, yes. because not everyone is good at everything. And so you have different people who specialize in different places come in and work together to make the best case scenario. So if you are putting so much of it as your own willpower and your own know-how, then it's just you're almost doing your business a disservice mm-hmm. by feeling like you should be able to do any of that. And that should word is so dangerous. And I try to say what you're actually doing by asking for help, whether it's from someone to you know advise you financially, someone to be a coach, someone to come in and optimize things, that you're really just helping, asking someone to help you wear one of those hats better and maybe teach you Mm -hmm. things so you can learn a better way or a different way so that you can plan your day-to-day and be more intentional and be on purpose and know why you're doing things, right? You know, if you know your long-term and then you set yourself up to know, then you can set yourself up to know why you're doing something and how it's actually getting you there. So it takes out that fear and the risk on the daily basis mm-hmm. and the fear and the risk in the long term or helps you juggle when weird things happen. I think you hit on a couple of fears that I hear a lot. And one of them is a mutual friend of all, all of ours, which the fear that she was talking about is how do I know if it's getting done? I'm so afraid if it's getting done by my team or not getting done by my team that the processes and the layers of processes that she was setting up in her business were like overwhelming production. Like it was yeah. hurting efficiency because she was just trying to satiate this fear. And uh, you had such a such a great response to that saying like, well, what if we just put in something simple and it's accountability and that can just satisfy that? that fear of the unknown, is it getting done? Mm -hmm. And then you can back away and focus where your attention needs to be focused on, which is leading this team, not on the ticky tacky details. And I think that's one of the, like such important um, outcomes of having specific processes in your business. And for me, one of the most simple processes that I teach is Sunday strategy. Mm -hmm. It's just once a week, sit down, know what needs to get done, book it in your time and move on with your life and then go execute on that plan, right? So you're not spending all of your time throughout the week creating new plans every half a day because 
you don't know what needs to get done. Um, so creating those efficiencies, I think, is a huge piece in creating process in your in your business or in your life at all. Strategy sessions for me and my clients is way beyond just making sure stuff gets done in the business too. It's am I spending time? Am I eating food? Am I getting to the gym? Am I do I have time with my husband? All that other stuff. And uh, it's a I I actually pitch it as it helps with Sunday scaries and Monday's anxieties. Like it's a fear reducer for me is that process of, of running through that. So, well, and setting yourself up in the business makes it so that you can get to those important things, right? Yeah. So that you can have the time to eat well, remember to have lunch at all, spend time with your family or you're alone doing not work stuff, <laughs> you know, actually turn it off every once in a while. Um, and I think that if you can take the time to set things up, right? I mean, one of the points you talked about is um, really it's hard for people to delegate is kind of what you were getting at, that they're so worried that the outcome isn't going to be great, which I think is a sign of a good business owner because they care yeah. about the results. They want a good outcome. They want to provide a good service or a product, um, but you can get in your own way, right? So if you can set, if you know you have the right people and if you can get everything out of your head and onto paper and help guide them into this is as the owner, what I want things to look like. And I want you to help me do that. You're setting expectations for them. They can be more accountable to meeting those expectations mm -hmm. and you can take a step away without as much scariness because right. you can trust that they know what you really want. And if you've you know done the right steps to get the right people in, that'll do it the way you want. Right. Um, that I think if you can, that's, there's a lot of steps to doing that, <laughs> but if you can start somewhere, even step one is just get it out of your head, right? Put it down on paper so that other people can clearly understand what it is you're asking of them. Um, I think that's just a good first step. This goes back to the conversation you and I had the other day, which is about like when you're not in a management role, but a leadership role, mm -hmm. how do I affect the, behaviors of the people that I'm leading, not managing. Like, mm -hmm. There's a really important distinction there. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. And um, putting some processes, we talked about putting some processes or systems in place for your expectations of what you do versus what they do because I'm not your manager. I can't put expectations of what you do on there. But I only do X, Y, and Z when the context or the specifications of A, B, and C have been met. Um, so I think that's almost exactly what you were talking about is giving yourself a system to work within as a leader in any role. I think it's really important. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that too because my, so my organization is weird because I have all of these people who are a part of my team. Almost none of them besides my assistant work for me. Mm -hmm. Like they're not employees. They can do what they want. They can listen to me or not listen to me. And it's, it's hard putting systems in place because I can't, I can't make them do anything, right? There's no, right. if they want to leave, they'll leave. If they want to do it, they'll do it. If not, so like, you're right. It's a totally different conversation, leadership versus management. And a lot of times what that means is that I have to walk the walk and actually have a business that's a model that they can duplicate. Yeah, this is almost, this brings me to a conversation Amanda and I had the other day that it, that what you guys both do is basically set up a, a business like a, like a franchise model is you put together all the systems. You do it just for your team. Amanda, you do it for uh, all the businesses that ask you to come in and say, okay, we're going to create something that is repeatable, a process that is repeatable for the outcomes that you're looking for. And then I'm going to teach you how to run that. I'm going to put it into place for, for you and your business. I'm going to teach you how to run that. I never realized how, how similar what you both are doing right now. You're doing it just in in finance and for your team, for them to be successful in growing their business. And uh, Amanda, you're like a chameleon and have to be able to do it for many different types of businesses. I think the one translatable factor, though, is, you know, to kind of speak to what Danae was saying is that you, they can do whatever they want kind of a thing. Yeah. But when you're building your systems and your processes, if you can build them in a way that points out how, what, Sally is doing affects what Bob is doing. Mm -hmm. They take a little bit more ownership and feel a little bit more 
you know, they have a higher desire to be more accountable yeah. because they realize that what they're doing isn't just what they're doing, that it rolls over into how someone else might be doing something. And in the end, how a client might receive something. And so when you're, when I build those things for people, I am being the chameleon because I want it to be specific to what they they want their right, business right, right. to look like and their needs and whatever. But it's usually, it always is built off of how in the end is it affecting the customer, but on the inside, then how is one person's action affecting another person's action? Because it is a trickle effect that ends up at the customer. Cause not all of my clients have employees. Some of them just have contractors, yeah. VAs, right? So technically, yeah, you have less control over what they can do. Right. But if you can help point that out, that one factor of, but what you do affects other people, and so on and so on, and eventually gets to the customer, they typically take a little bit more ownership and are m- more easily convinced to, to do it the way you'd like. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, and, and I will say that, like, the people that I'm leading for the most part want to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, they want oh, yeah, to be successful. Sure. And so it's less of, a, of what they're going to do and more, frustratingly enough, of what I do because I have to ask myself over and over and over again, if somebody in my business does what I do, will they be successful? And the answer sometimes is no. And a lot of the times when I come into time blocking, for instance, this week has been really hard because I'm, I'm going through this transition where I'm training a lot of people. And when I'm training somebody, they have access to my calendar so they can put appointments on there. And a lot of times I'm not approving those appointments before they're on there. So for instance, Monday, I had appointments literally back to back with no breaks for 11 hours again. And it happened a couple weeks in a row here. And it's there's a lot of benefits to having a ton of activity all at once. Now that person who, and those were mostly from one person I'm training. So now that person is almost independent after being here for a month. Like they're, they're crushing it. So I know that that person will be gone. But what happened is that a lot of those bled over the time blocking strategies that we had. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't show up for those sessions and lead those sessions, why would my team do it? Right. So... Although I have this this constant paradox where I'm trying to build a business that eventually I can step away from and my teammates can run without me and they're successful and independent. They have all the training and resources they need. That's what I want. But I also have to be a role model for the first few years here, if nothing else. Like I have to create systems that they can follow and then I have to follow them myself because I can tell them to do something, but if it's not what I'm doing myself, they're not going to do it. Well, this makes sense to me, too, in there's a lot of different types of financial practices. Yep. <laughs> like, and there's, I say all the time, there's a hundred right ways to do something. You, Danae, don't have, and we've talked about this in the past, You, nobody's done it in the way that you're doing it in your organization. Nobody has done it this way. We, we've tried to find examples of that. And so whether or not you're a chiropractor or you're a CPA, or whatever it is that you're doing, just because there's examples of people that have built a practice or a, a business like yours, doesn't mean that you you always want to just pick up all of those processes mm-hmm. and do them exactly the same way. And so uh, being able to look at systems and processes in your business and saying, does this create the result I actually want? Or does this create a result that is different from what I want, but it, it's a result, Still valid. Yeah, yeah. is is important, but I don't think everybody has that skill. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 hard because in, in some of it, you just have to learn as you go because I still have a, a very firm belief that I'm going to be wildly successful, right? I believe in the people on my team. I believe in all my advisors. I believe in the direction that we're going, but I want to be successful in a very specific way because for some people, and especially within my office, there are a few people whose definition of success is that they're making a year, which is one metric, but they are in their business every single day. They have to be there for 11 hours a day if they want to see those results. And that's not success to me. If I have a whole bunch of money, but I can't enjoy it or actually have the lifestyle I want, then what was the point? And so that's, that ends up being a, a different conversation. One of the things that I really like to hear from you guys about though, is something that we're going through right now. And I know we're not alone by any means. So Right now, I'm reading Clockwork. Thank you, both of you, for the recommendation. <laughs> so good. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is eliminating entrepreneurial poverty, which is huge, yeah. right? There are so many business owners that are working their butts off and absolutely struggling. Yeah. 
all the time. And, you know, Cameron and I deal with this very specific attitude that's really hard to get away from because right now, objectively, if you look at our business, you'd be like, those people are busted ass right now. <laughs> like we're working hard. Like we're literally working 11 or 12 hour days every day right now. And granted, like this is not something that usually happens in my business to be clear. Like this is not a normal level of activity. So we're dealing with it while we're, we have this burst of momentum. But if you look at our business objectively, I believe people would say you guys are working hard. Yes. Right. Right. Obviously. Okay. A rational person would say that. (laughs) A rational person would say that. Right. But then we get to Sunday and we see the results and sometimes Again, like there's plenty of times we do a ton of work and don't get paid on it or that things don't pan out the way that we want because we're dealing with people and people mm-hmm. act out of fear. And like there's there's all of these factors, right? And we're not seeing the exact results that we want in our business yet. And so we get to Sunday, every week this happens. And if we spend the day relaxing and not doing anything, then, then Monday morning, one of us has a breakdown about how we didn't get anything done over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Cameron constantly talks about himself like he's lazy. Like, well, I'm not doing the right things mm-hmm. to, to be successful here. And I'm like, objectively, you are working harder than anybody I know. Maybe you're not out like doing physical labor, but if you are on Zoom appointments from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., you are working hard. Like, but because we're not seeing the same results that we feel like we should be, both of us just feel like we're lazy all the time. And it's a really difficult conversation to have because I recognize in part of my brain that like there's a difference between being lazy and not getting the results that you're looking for. Those are kind of the same things. And what's happening is that we're relying on our willpower over and over and over again to get the things that we need done. When in reality, we're running, both of us are running fairly decent sized businesses and we can't rely on ourselves for all of that stuff. So how, how do you, and maybe you've seen it in your own business, maybe you've seen it in other people's business. How do you see people transition to a point where they're working a normal amount and don't feel like they're not doing enough? I, I have talked to a number of people who have been in this position and we've changed some terminology to help the mindset. So you're like for you, for example, if I were to talk to you, I would say, let's change the term willpower. Um, let's change it to discipline. So people, people I've, have talked before about how discipline actually creates freedom. It's this whole kind of backwards concept and you can agree and disagree with it, but there are certain parts of being a business owner and running a business that it does make sense with, right? If you're being disciplined about how you're spending your time in your business to get where you want to go, Um, then your likelihood of getting there is so much higher and you don't have to rely on willpower. Because for me, when I hear the word willpower, it's so reliant on the amount of energy I have. And you only have so much of it. And some days you have more and some days you have less. And eventually you will burn out, like Megan was saying. And so if you can be more disciplined with certain things and rely less on the willpower, then it changes how much energy you might have for something. Um, And I also talk to people about the difference of saying work-life balance, and I've changed it more to work-life integration. Because when I hear the word balance, I think of the image of two hands, right, balancing something, and they're completely separate. Um, But we spend so much of our lives working, whether you're an entrepreneur or just in the corporate world or whatever, working for whoever else, you spend most of your time at work. As an entrepreneur, you spend all of your time at work uh, if you were to look at it from that that cultural standpoint, right? That you should always be working. And so instead of thinking, you know, I'm going to, how do, how can I work and then make sure that I'm also spending time over here? It feels really separate to think that you're trying to balance things. Instead, how are you being disciplined in one area to allow you to also integrate these other areas in with the exercise, spending time with family, having your alone time, eating well, because that integration also ties back to having enough energy for things. Yep. So I really just talk to people about where are their energies being spent? How can we integrate things together so that you're not feeling like you have to have separate energy for work and personal? And how can we make it just so that you're more disciplined in whatever areas need to happen in order to allow you to meld those two parts of your life together? And you get to that place where you don't feel like you're exhausting yourself working 
you know, 25 hours a day um, feeling like you're not getting where you're supposed to go. I think even further than that, you um, described really making an emotional decision not based on data. Because the data says I'm working 12 or 13 hours a day and I'm full of appointments and things are moving forward. The data says that the feeling Mm -hmm. is different. And so one of the things I know Amanda sets up for for clients and I talk about all the time too is creating a system in your business to collect the data that you need to look at the hard numbers to see where your business is going. So it's called the scorecard. And so um, maybe setting something up like that for, for you, Danae, or anybody that's listening that struggles with this because this is a fear of like, am I doing enough am I am I doing what it what I need to do to get the outcomes that I I desperately need and I I'm sure for you both of you all of my clients feel that desperately they feel it so intensely um that if if you know what markers it's going to take whether or not it's your sales process or it's the results in the business whatever it is you know has to be accomplished for it to be successful for you to be on track for the outcome that you're looking for, whether that's a 10 years, three years, five years, six months, 90 days, whatever marker you're looking at uh, time frame wise, being able to take Sunday when you're feeling that anxiety and having d- been disciplined throughout the week to collect that information and be tracking that to say, I the feeling is wrong. That's not real because this data says I hit 99% of everything that I wanted to do. And 99% of perfect scenario is not fucking lazy, right? If it was 30%, you'd be like, I need to make an adjustment because I didn't show up in my business the way I needed to show up, that I know I needed to show up for my business this week. And then you can address that. But that's another really important system that you can put in place in your business Um, And then the process, oh, Amanda, if I say these wrong, she's going to correct me. Please do. (laughs) And then the process that you go through throughout the week to make sure that system happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Okay. No. (laughs) They're wrong. (laughs) But whatever you do throughout the week to make sure that you're allowing that system to work for the business. Well, I think, too, when we can feel, what's the, I'm having a brain fart. What's the term where you want? like satisfaction right now, like instant instant gratification. So I think that our culture has been transitioning to more like we we want instant gratification. And it's not by a fault per se. I think that when you are as driven as someone like all of us, someone like you, Danae, when you're talking about your goals, um, it can feel like what we're looking for is instant gratification and we're being impatient. Uh, It can look like that and maybe we get down on ourselves and think it's that. But I think that when it's when you can look at it from a different perspective of rather than being impatient about something, you actually are just really worried that you're not spending your time where you should because I have spent 11 hours and I am tired and I'm worried I didn't do enough, right? Worry, fear, we can try mm-hmm. and yeah, then yeah. you're worried that, or you have fear that you're not going to get to that end point because what if I am wasting my 11 hours or something? If you right. do all the things that we're saying here, you're being uh, disciplined, you're setting yourself up with some more, you know, actual proof with the data, then you can lose that fear of, am I enough? Or am I doing this? Or should I be doing that? That you don't have to react in that emotional way that you're talking about, Megan, with fear create is, is an emotion. And then we react emotionally. And if you can, you know, try to realize that where you're coming from, with either head trash that you have or the fear that you're having, why you're coming at it from where you're coming at, then you can set yourself up with some kind of system or process that helps you mitigate that issue for your mitigation, like you said, Denise. Well, and to be frank, what you described, and you can tell Cameron I said this, he's gaslighting himself. Yeah. He is full and, and on. To be clear, he's also gaslighting me. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm, I'm full aware that that's happening. And, and so, like, if I was to tell you, Danae, you're gaslighting yourself, you'd be like, shit, I don't want to do that. But if I was to say, Danae, you're gaslighting me, you would immediately halt everything and you would say, I am sorry. Like, I will make whatever adjustment. Like, it's really important to me that our friendship and our relationship is healthy and that you're the best person that you can be because I care about you. I want you to have that same reaction when you're doing it to yourself. It's 
the, the hard thing is about this conversation for me, because you guys are correct in every sense here. <laughs> There's a trigger in my mind that when somebody says, you just need discipline, I'm like, oh, I need to do more. I need to work harder. Because discipline in my mind is, is doing more stuff. Mm. And Ooh. when you don't have the energy to do more stuff, like, seriously, hearing the word discipline makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like, when? <laughs> like, right. how? How do I do discipline, like, yeah. after all this stuff? So you're not, you're not wrong, and I know what you mean, but when I hear discipline, I'm like, okay, that means more tracking. <laughs> so I have to be on the spreadsheets more. When? Like, after hours, right. I need to eat healthy. Like, when? Yeah, like, right. You know, and I recognize that there's a crossover point, and it feels like there's always this, like, mountain ahead of, well, if I can just work harder and do more for the short period of time, mm -hmm. then on the other side of it, those habits will be in place. Like, my business will run the way that it's supposed to. And then that other side never happens. Right. I, maybe sense? Yeah, maybe there's just another reframe to happen there. Instead of saying willpower and changing it to discipline, maybe you change discipline more into the specific way that you are disciplined, right? Because there isn't one definition of it. Um, I can see where you're coming at with saying, okay, well, the general definition means you have to do more and try harder. But I think when I'm talking about it, I mean more specifically to an individual, um, what it means for them to take specific intentional actions that get them where they want to go without having to put in as much energy. So maybe there's just another word we can try and find to replace it because that isn't really the definition I'm going for. Right. I, I'm i going to go back to a book that you made me read, Grit, nice. Ooh, yeah. and the story of the runner. So Angela Duckworth, brilliant. I hope she, at some point, I get to meet this brilliant woman. Mm -hmm. She's so smart and has influenced my life in, in massive ways with her book. But she talks about how she's run almost her whole life. She was talking to a mentor of hers. Mm -hmm. And she's still running the same pace that she's always run versus the Olympian that goes in with intentional practice. And they focus on specific improvements during that time. So she's running a lot, doing a lot of things, making a lot of effort, uh, but she's not going at it with intentional practice. And I think maybe if you make that switch, that it's less about the amount of effort and even just the intensity of effort, but it's what specific intentional yeah. practice do I need to do? And that's what I mean. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what I mean when I say, let's be disciplined. disciplined. I was going to say diligent. Yeah, that's let's be I mean. disciplined. And I want to do this in a really, uh, really specific way to get better at this one thing. And that 20 minutes is worth more than two hours of just grinding. Well, and that's uh, James Clear talks about this small changes in atomic habits, right? He says if you change one aspect by 1% every day for a year, that thing will be 37% better. So it doesn't have to be that you're changing everything all at once either because that in and of itself is like terrifying <laughs> and like way too much. So if you can do small things, and that's something I, I talk about with clients as well is that if I'm providing strategy regarding their operations, I'm also being strategic about the strategy, right? right. What are we doing at what stage and how are we doing it? Because you don't do everything all at once. You do one small little thing here and a little tweak there and eventually it comes together, but it's just these little steps that you take. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're bringing us around to, which is more what I meant when I was talking about. And I think the other thing it makes me think of is kind of what we were talking about with that uh, person we know that was kind of over systematizing mm -hmm. systems and processes in your business should give you relief. Yes. It should give you ease. Like it should give you a sense of uh, like, all right, that's going to be better now. Like that's going to be taken care of. Systems should not create more white knuckling in your business. They should, they should allow you to see and, and know when things are running smoothly, right? The purpose of them is to make sure things are running smoothly. And so you get that ease you're talking about like, oh, okay. I can see and know that things are going well without having to pay attention to every little thing all the time. But they're also there to help you see when things are off track more easily and more quickly. To catch them. To catch them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when things aren't going smoothly, well, when the when the baseline is that they are, 
and then they suddenly aren't, you see them really quickly and can react and it doesn't take as much work and time and effort to make those little tweaks that you need to down the line because you can, you can catch them real quick. Yeah. One of the things I've been trying to keep in mind is that like, so I went to a lunch and learn, it was actually a dinner and learn a few weeks ago. Um, and one of our product providers were talking to us and they said something that like really stuck with me. And sometimes, sometimes it's like stuff I could take away. Sometimes it's just free food, but <laughs> I don't have money. Um, but he said something that I thought was really interesting, which is basically that you can't add in simplicity. You can only remove complexity. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, wait, like say that again. Mm-hmm. So you can't add in simplicity. You can only remove complexity. And I really liked it. You're writing that down. I should. Yeah, right. Good thing we got recorded. Yeah, right? that like uh, that like scratched all of my weird itches. Yeah, really like nice. it. Really did. Well, I I can't take credit for any of it, but it is on my mind here because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I think I've tried to do in the past is like, and and it's it's so hard to find a balance for this because we want to add in symptom symptoms systems to make our business simpler. But adding in more stuff doesn't make anything simpler. Right. Like, and so right now, I, one of the things that's, that, that's overwhelming for me and a lot of other people too is that all of a sudden you're like, well, I have all of these systems in place. So I have this spreadsheet for this and I have this spreadsheet for this and I have this session to go through this every single week. And it's just so much. Mm. At some time, I'm like, how the hell am I going to have somebody duplicate this if they're not me? Like, mm-hmm. if right. they don't say so. One of the things I'm trying to do is look at what part of my business I can remove, what steps I can take out, what what things I can pass to somebody else and trust that it's going to be done well because the process is easy and simple as opposed to, okay, well, you can only be a good financial advisor if you're willing to do hours and hours and hours of research and go find all these things yourself instead of, well, the resources are right here. Like, yeah. this is easy. So that's... Something that makes sense, but it's easier that makes said than total sense. I love changing the question because I have for as long as I can remember loved the idea of how can I make this simpler. Like that's how I teach. That's how I do, I do everything. Is how can we make this the simplest way? But instead, shifting that in my mind of saying how can I remove complexity? I think that's efficiency, right? If we yeah. say it, we which we've said a couple times already today. I think it's just being efficient is maybe less being less complex. Yeah. Like how how can I break this down to the least number of steps? You know, Apple yeah. really Apple really blew up with that. Is I want it to be two clicks away, or th- mm-hmm. they had the three click rule of everything had to be really simple. How how do we just remove complexity from everything? And I think as a business owner, especially once you get over that first hurdle and you found at least repeatable success, we think that in order to get to that next level of success, it must become this complex machine. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. And that's part of the reason why I really focused on solopreneurs, because there's the I'll have to look it up and put it for the show notes, but there's a book called The One Person, One Million Dollar Business. Mm, yeah, I, uh, I can't remember the author's I name. I can't. It's in my office book. Uh, but that's full of a lot of scenarios around people that have a very simple, lean mm-hmm. business model, uh, and they didn't overthink it and decide that, oh, for me to grow to the next level, I actually just need to like found a new city and create utilities and <laughs> start a train line so that I can develop the next thing. You don't have to do it that way. And, uh, so that's that's super inspiring to me. Thank you very much for bringing that uh, idea to the table today. Absolutely. I think, and, and I think you're uh, also touching on some of the stuff you're doing now is that trim trash transfer that Mike McKellowitz talks about in Clockwork. Yeah. Which is also... By the way, I'm not finished with the book, so I'm like, I'm like three quarters of the way done. Yeah. So there's probably some sort of big clue at the end that fixes everything in my life that I haven't gotten to. That's what we're always looking for with every book we read. It's a high expectation. No, that's what Amanda's for. That's what Amanda does. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I'll just fix everything just for you. Yeah. This phone number in the back of the book. Uh-huh. That's what you need to do is just hand out, like, go to Barnes & Noble and just put your business Just put stickers in the back, in the back, of, the back of all of them. Yeah, exactly. It's actually great. What Cameron does is, for when we hand out just how many works books, he just, like, puts a QR code in that leads directly to his Calendly for a discovery call. Nice. So, 
that's what you need great to do. Idea. Just pretty great. Hey, scans with your phone. Just put yeah. equipment on my calendar. Don't worry about what it is. We'll yeah. find out later. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Well, Amanda, do you have any other big uh, ideas on systems and processes that you think you wanted to share? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. I sure do. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I uh, I think there's probably a totally different conversation that I can have about them. I won't get into the minutia here. But I think that the first thing to do is um, get everything out of your head if you're the owner. That's how you can work toward figuring out where you can make things less complex, right? I think that it brings a realization. Um, one of the things you say, Megan, when you say to do your Sunday strategy is it helps you realize how much time you spend on things because we don't realize how much time something might take. Yeah. We say, oh, 20 minutes, but really it was two hours, things like that. Right. So if you can get everything out of your head um, slowly over time, it just helps you see maybe where you can make things less complex or where you do have weird things set up and you can make it a little easier on yourself and on your team. Um, but I think that if you also involve, like let's say you have a team, or even if you're a solopreneur but you have trusted people around you, if you involve other people in the process as well and ask them, what else should I be looking for? What else should I be asking? And it helps solicit feedback from other people. Yeah. You don't have to go it alone and have the answer to everything that apparently I'm supposed to have, according to you guys. Um, you don't? Wait a second. Oh, no. <laughs> Cancel everything. <laughs> no, honestly, what will actually happen is we'll just have you on again, and you can go more in-depth on a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that this kind of stuff is, is so helpful for a lot of people. And even if you're entering into a business where – people say that there's a system in place. And to be clear, my business is one of those businesses. Like people say all the time, like, yeah. oh, it's a, it's a turnkey system. You just have to, you know, start and, and the system will work it out for you. That is 100% bullshit. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, it's, it's ridiculous. Like if you don't have your own systems in place for how you work and how your team needs to put things right. together, how you track, how you um, follow up with clients, like you have to set up all of those systems yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not wrong by any means to feel like it for context for the first few years in my business I felt like if I was trying to do my own thing and add in my own processes or anything that I wasn't working off of the system in place and I wasn't going to be successful because mm. I was trying to break the rules before I knew them yeah well I know the rules now and um they're dumb, so it's <laughs> time to put some other stuff in place. So don't ever have any fear about, you know, putting your own things in place to make your business easier. I think you're right, and that's part, part of the reason why I respect what Amanda does so much is I just really don't like cookie-cutter promise, promises that cookie-cutter systems are going to work, whether that's a coaching program or, like, downloadable templates for social media, because it's just not true. Mm -hmm. What... It, you might find success. You might find success because it's you got caught a lucky, lucky break there. But what really creates long-term, lasting, deep success is what works for you in the unique context of your life and your team and your needs and your values and your future and your goals and all of that. And so you can buy, you can buy something cookie cutter, or you could set it up just like you said, Danae, exactly for what is right for you. And that's part of the reason I respect so much what you do for clients because you actually go in. And this is, I think the reason I'm talking about this is I hope that our listeners are doing this, go into a business and find all that stuff out. Yeah. I want to learn all of that. Well, you do. I'm talking for you. I'm now Amanda. I want to <laughs> learn about your business and your team and your goals so that the systems that we put in place work for you. Yeah. I, I, I always say, if anyone's familiar with the show Bar Rescue. Oh, I love Bar yeah. Rescue. So yes. he goes in, he makes all these changes, everything looks successful, but if you look online, most they of them are all fail. closed. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that I, I tell people, I don't want to Bar Rescue your business. I genuinely just want people's personal businesses to actually work out. Mm -hmm. And so I do, I go in and I become part of a collaborative team with them. Um, you know, and if they have chosen a system that was modeled after someone else, that's okay. You would start with what you know and, and use people around you. But at some point, recognize you've gotten where you right. need to then start 
making some transformations and changing them specifically to what you need, what you're talking about, Megan, is, you know, I, I like to go in there and say, okay, what have you been doing? What's successful? What are your obstacles? How can we make some changes so that it's now been changed in the way that's perfectly just for you and your way instead of some other way that you might've been doing? Because you can have systems. It just doesn't mean that they're good or yours. And so then let's just make some, make some more modifications and just make it your favorite thing. Yeah, and that feels so much better. God. That feels like relief. Yeah. Instead of how am I going to force my square peg into that round hole? Well, and it decreases, like, if, if we all just, if you want to tie this back into the fear thing, if you're doing it someone else's way, it doesn't feel right. Right. And it feels icky, yeah. and it can feel scary, you know, and you can feel unsure of things and not have that certainty or any stability. And that all, you know, is all anxiety and wrapped up in a little pretty fear pa- package, but if you're doing things more specifically to your personal needs, your personality, your business, the way you want it to be, your, your team, um, it it feels better for that reason too because it's just, it's nicer. It's more yep. what aligns with you. Huh. Oh. 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 This was a good ch- chat. That was a great chat. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, Thank thanks for having that. me on, guys. It's really exciting. Thanks for letting me uh, nerd out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Like I said, we'll have you on again soon because okay. I think this kind of stuff is very helpful for people. So, so where can our, our listeners find you? Uh, so my business is Kinetic Spark. Um, you can email me straight to at amanda at kinetic-spark.com. If you go to my website, kinetic-spark.com, there's also a contact me page and I can hear what you, what you want to know from there. It's great. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.